Welcome to the Hills, whether you're in person at the West Fort Worth, Southlake, or NRH campus, or whether you're watching online around the world. I love it that you are entering the season with the priority of spending time with God. So again, welcome to the Hills. Now, Christmas is important to us, and we always want to maximize as much as possible the season to let people hear the gospel. And obviously this year we've had to make some very big uh, changes in what we normally do. For yesterday, instead of breakfast with Santa at Southlake campus, they had drive-through with Santa. And it was amazing. Thank you to all the volunteers at Southlake who did a great job. I loved it. And then tonight at West Fort Worth, they're having their children's Christmas musical, but they're going to observe all the protocols. It's going to be a very, very safe environment. Uh, obviously, for Christmas Eve services, we're having to do a little different this year and ask you to register so everything can be as safe as possible. One thing we're doing this year to bless you, starting today, 12 on 12, uh, go to our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and we're, for each day, for 12 days, going to provide a little Christmas devotional. 12 minutes, we're going to use the song, Oh Holy Night, as a platform to just share the gospel for 12 straight days. And I think along with the music, you'll be very, very blessed by the messages. And then, of course, I hope this series we're doing right now is a blessing to your Christmas experience. So let me begin. I have a friend whose teenage son made some extra money by delivering pizzas for the Domino Pizza chain. So that's where I got this story. There was another young man delivering pizzas for Domino's. He went to one home, and the man who received the pizza was so impressed by the young man's vibrant personality. He said, tell me your name. I want to call your boss and brag on you and what a good job you're doing. So the young pizza deliverer said, my name is Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> and the fellow chuckled and said, wow, you certainly have a famous name. And the boy replied, well, it ought to be. I've been delivering pizzas in this neighborhood for three years. He was completely unaware of the significance of his name. Now, here's what we know. Names matter. They really do. Names communicate worth. If you want to ascribe value to the person who brings you food at your table, the person you sit by on a plane, the new classmate, you ask them their name. Names suggest a legacy or a reputation. Uh, you may hear someone say, I want to just live up to the name of my family. Names uh, reflect a person's character. Uh, he's an honest Abe. He's a Benedict Arnold. Names can imply virtue or lack of virtue. And names can also imply authority. I come in the name of. Names really matter. And most of all, names can send a message. That's why so many of you spent so much time thinking, what will I call my child? Maybe it was someone important in your life. Maybe you gave them a name that spoke over them what you believed about them. Now, if we spend that much time and energy being intentional about what we're going to name our children, then imagine how heaven thought about the name to give the baby in Bethlehem. Now, I don't usually do this, but if you didn't hear the message last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. Not because it was a great sermon, because it was a great, important point. Why did God give, out of all the names you could have chosen, why did he give his son the name Jesus. And what we want to do today is look at another name that we need this year as much as we ever have. So right after the angel told Joseph to name the baby Jesus, 
Matthew adds this commentary in chapter 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And there's never been a year where we need to understand the meaning of that name like this year. Now, when I was a boy, we would go on Christmas Eve to celebrate the season with my dad's parents. On Christmas Day, we would go to my mom's parents. And as a little boy, I would do the first thing every time, run straight to the tree and count how many presents said Ricky. Because when I was a little boy, what I cared about most at Christmas was presents. And as I have gotten older, what I care about most at Christmas is presents. I'm not talking about what's under the tree. I'm talking about who is around the tree. Now, I get this by my grandmother. My grandmother actually could lay on the guilt. She had the gift of making you feel guilty. She didn't start in November. Oh, no. She started in March. Are you going to be with us at Christmas? Now, she didn't ask much. She never asked for anything. She didn't have a wish list. She had a with list. All that mattered to her, who's going to be with me at Christmas? And can we just admit that of all the things we've lost in 2020, perhaps the hardest has been the profound loss of with. So many of you students have lost graduation and other important events with your classmates. We've lost vacations with friends. Going to movies and concerts and ball games with family. Reunions with extended family. Conversations and collaborations with co-workers. For some of us, one of the hardest losses has been the opportunity to be with a room full of other believers worshiping God. And maybe hardest of all for some of us has been the loss of the presence with loved ones when they were in hospitals or in care facilities. We've all felt the pain of withlessness this year. And we can acknowledge the reason for these isolations. I'm not arguing they weren't important. I'm just saying we can also admit that they came at a cost. We still don't know how toddlers have been stunted in their development, spending a year without playmates their age. How students have been inhibited in their uh, intellectual and uh, interpersonal development, being without classmates and teachers in person. How small business owners have suffered being without customers in their stores. And for many of us, the decline in the health of the elderly because of isolation has been painful. We did it because for their sake they needed to be away from people. And what we were doing to save them has also damaged them. 
I speak from experience. My father's 88 years old. I have watched with my own eyes the stunning increase in his cognitive decline because of isolation. And so this past summer, it was necessary for us to put my father in a memory care facility. And he didn't understand, but I did, that when he walked on the other side of the door, there was no telling how long it would be before I could be with him. For over three months, my father wrestled. Sometimes he was angry. Most of the time he was confused. Why won't my boys come be with me? And he's even got to the point where using a phone is difficult for him. And it has been a really hard experience. And it has brought to my mind one of the very first things the Bible teaches us. It is not good for man to be alone. Some of you saw this picture that went viral at Thanksgiving. Dr. Joseph Varon works at a hospital in Houston. He had been working for 258 straight days taking care of COVID patients. He walked past this old man who was weeping. And he went to ask what the problem was. And the old man said, I just want to be with my wife. The doctor didn't know anyone would take the picture. He simply instinctively went and held the man until he was able to relax. And maybe that picture, as much as any, sums up how 2020 has felt for so many of us. We have lost the whiff. And maybe the enemy has tried to take advantage of this situation to sow the lie that God is gone too. Have you had moments this year where you just felt abandoned by God? There's a name when those moments arise you need to use. You see, God not with us is a lie, and it must be named. God will always be above us, but God never wants to be away from us. We were created for fellowship with God. The Bible starts with man with God. The Bible ends with God coming to be with man. And the Bible is the story of a God who is determined to get the with back. And Christmas is God's declaration, I'm going to do something. And that's why this year we especially need to understand the importance of the name Emmanuel. God with us. Every word is important. The first word tells us that Jesus is more than a man. It is God with us. The startling claim of Christmas is that God appeared as a real man in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Christmas doesn't celebrate the beginning of Jesus. It celebrates the beginning of God in the flesh. God was with us. Paul says in Colossians, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Here's what Christians believe. That the infinite became finite. That the invisible became visible. That God most high became God most nigh. That Christmas declares God wants the with 
back. And since we couldn't move into his neighborhood, he moved into ours. Most religions put all their emphasis on how people need to get to God. But Christianity puts the emphasis on a God who had to get to us. So Al Lindgren is a professor at a uh, seminary. And he tells a story years ago. He took his junior high boy fishing. And while they're fishing, the boy stunned him with this question. Dad, what's the hardest thing God ever had to do? Like a good professor, he turned it around and said, well, what do you think the hardest thing God ever tried to do? And his son said, well, after taking science, I thought maybe it was creating the whole world. But then in Sunday school, talking about the miracles, thought, well, maybe that was it, like raising Jesus from the dead. But then, Dad, I talked to my friends at school. They don't know anything about God. So I've decided the hardest thing God ever tried to do was to get people to understand who he is and that he loves them. And the father could only shake his head and say, son, I think you're right. It's the hardest thing God's ever had to do. And there was only one way he could do it. Christmas declares that God is not going to settle for a long distance relationship. He's not just going to send you an email or put a sign in the sky. He's going to come in the flesh. God is not into isolation. God is into congregation. God is into us. And that's another very important word in that name. It means his mission is bigger than me. His name is not God with me. His name is God with us. Christmas includes me, but it transcends me. The son came because the father wants to be with all his kids. When God said, call him Emmanuel, God was sending the message. My heart beats for the whole world. That's what the angel said to the shepherds in Luke 2. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. John depicts the incarnation this way. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now, I know we should keep Christ in Christmas, but let me suggest we should also keep us in Christmas. Jesus was really into us. For example, one time His disciples came and said, Now, Jesus, we have prayed all our lives, but we listen to you pray. It's different. Teach us to pray like you. First thing Jesus did was say, our Father. The very first thing Jesus taught about prayer is, when you talk to God, you're talking to a father who has a lot of kids. You're not an only child. Look at the rest of the prayer. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus was into us. We should be too. We're going to do these daily devotionals on some of the great phrases in the song, O Holy Night. And one of the best is, truly, 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 he taught us to love one another. God gave his son a name that calls us to make our lives about we and not just me. So I came across a neat story really recently about Tiny Tim's Toy Foundation in West Jordan, Utah. 
What they do is they get together and they make these little toy cars. They make over 100,000 little cars a year. And here's the thing. They give them away, every single one, to children all over the world who aren't going to get anything for Christmas. They get those little cars, immediately they smile, they get in the ground, and they start running it around. The average age of the volunteer for this foundation is 80 years old. And you know who paints the cars? Inmates. Who are thrilled to do it. Most of them are fathers themselves. And they often say, nobody ever asked me to do anything good for somebody else. And the whole operation run by a man named Alton Thacker works on this theme. He says, the secret of happiness is making somebody else happy. You see, I've learned this year. I can live without a lot of things. I may not like it, but I, I can do okay without going to movie theaters or restaurants or ball games. And even after the pandemic's over, I, I don't need a lot of money or status or notoriety. But I've learned I can't do life well without with. I was designed by my maker to be with him and with others. I was created to have a with list. And the creator has one too. And you know what? Your name is on it. If God means that Jesus is more than a man, and if us means his mission is bigger than me, then with means our worth is more than we think. See, Emmanuel is a name that ascribes value to others. Because think about it. Isn't it true that one way you communicate value to someone is that you're fully present with them? That one way we communicate love is that we just show up and give someone our attention. On the other hand, isn't it also true you're with somebody and the whole time you're with them, they're doing this. Or they're looking over your shoulder at some screen behind you. Isn't that devaluing? Love is present. Love is with. Call him Emmanuel. God wants to be with us. Even those of us who many think aren't deserving. Uh, this picture is a Floyd Little and Dick Buckus, two NFL Hall of Fame football players. Little was a running back for the Broncos, Buckus a linebacker for the Bears. Now, Little was not a big man, but if you tackled him, he would always immediately pop up, send a message to the defense, you can't stop me, you can't hurt me. But he admits the hardest he ever got tackled was by Dick Butkus. Laid him out. But he popped right back up, got right into Butkus' face and says, is that the best you got? And Dick Butkus said, Floyd, are you okay? He said, yes, I'm okay. Floyd, are you sure you're okay? I told you I'm okay. Why do you keep asking me that? Because Floyd, you're standing in the wrong huddle. <laughs> do you understand? That the single criticism got, Jesus got more than any other was he was always standing in the wrong huddle. 
You say you're from God. You say you're a holy man. Well, then why do you hang out with those kind of people? Tax collectors and sinners and ladies on the street and and the kind of people that good people are never with. You see, Christmas rebukes the lie that some people just don't matter to God. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. Christmas is God saying to every single person, you are worth the whiff. So I love this picture because of the story behind it. Steve and Mary Daniel, seven years ago, because of Alzheimer's, Mary had to put Steve in a facility. It's advanced to the point now that he does not know who she is. And yet for seven years, she came every night and tucked him in bed. And then COVID came. And for over three months, she was unable to see her husband. And then at the facility where he stays, an opening for a dishwasher appeared. And she got the job. Not because she needs the money. She still can't go to his room. But even from a distance, she can see him eat his meals and just go by every now and then to put a hand on his shoulder. And here's the thing. He doesn't understand how she has humbled herself to be with him. And when it comes to God, some of us don't understand what God was willing to do to be with us. He wasn't just willing to go to Bethlehem to be with us. To be with us forever. He had to go to Calvary. And it explains why the night before he died, Jesus was so stressed. What? Was he afraid of physical pain? A lot of men have died for good causes. No. No. What was Jesus so stressed about? It's all summed up in that one phrase from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus understood what it was going to mean. That God is holy. God cannot be in the presence of sin. God cannot be with sin. And so when all our sin was placed on Jesus, God could not be with him. That for the first time in eternity, the Godhead is disjointed and Jesus experiences God not with me. Now, I don't know what hell is with all the metaphors of Scripture. I don't know how little they are. Here's what I know about hell. God's not going to be there and that will make it hell enough. Hell is God not with us. And Jesus knew that's what it was going to mean. That's the terror of the cross. That's how far he was willing to go. He was willing to experience withlessness from God so that we would never have to. And they taunted him, oh, you're, you're so holy, then come down off the cross. Do you understand? He wouldn't leave the cross to prove that God would never leave us. God will live up to his name. All through the scripture, God keeps sending the message 
I'm with you. Listen to Isaiah. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. The Hebrew writer says, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. And then at the end of perhaps my favorite chapter in the Bible, Paul writes, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Call him Emmanuel because the name has a message. And God is saying at Christmas, I will do whatever it takes because you are worth the whiff. So let me close about, by telling you about two men. The first is named Paul. The last year of his life was his 2020. The last book that we have a record that he wrote was called 2 Timothy. And if you read the last chapter, it is basically just a long list of all the people that were no longer with Paul. Some for good reasons, many for bad. He was isolated, but he was not abandoned. And some of the very last words he ever dictated are these the first time I defended myself no one helped me everyone left me may they be forgiven but the Lord stayed with me and gave me strength so I could fully tell the good news I'm not sure exactly how he experienced the presence of God but it was real it was strong and it sustained him And it will sustain you. And so when the devil tries to sow that lie that God is not with us, claim the name. God with us is a name that must be claimed. It's got to be more than just something in our head. It's got to get down into our heart. When the enemy tries to tell you that what you're going through is proof that God has gone, claim the name. And that leads me to the second man. His name is Jim Ashley. He's my father. Needless to say, this has been a hard, confusing year for him. But I noticed about a month ago, his attitude began to get so much better. And so I asked him in one of those times where we could have a phone conversation, And what my dad did was go back to some practices that have sustained him for 88 years. My dad wakes up about 5 in the morning. My brother bought him one of those vibrating recliners. So he sits in that for 15 minutes and lets it vibrate. He calls that his exercise. (laughs) And then my dad, who's always had this deep bass voice, he sings hymns. He can't see words, that doesn't matter. He has sung these songs for decades. And he sings hymns. 
for about 30 minutes. And then for about 30 minutes, in the dark, my dad prays. And he said to me in a recent phone call, even after everything I have to say, this last few months is the closest I've ever felt to God. And I realize my dad is isolated, but he is not abandoned. God says to you today, you are worth the with. And so, can I give you this charge this year for Christmas? Ask for more presents. Ask God for more presence. And while you're asking for yourself, ask for someone else too. Let's do that right now. Bow your head. I'll finish the prayer, but I want you to let you start it. I want you to ask God that you will have greater awareness of His presence in your life. And then think of someone you know right now. And this Christmas, they could especially Use a fresh experience of the presence of God. And so God, in the powerful and merciful name of Jesus, thank you for being a God who wants to be with Thank you for coming in the person of Jesus. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. And so, that's what we ask for for Christmas, God. Could we have more presence, please? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.